Welcome back to another episode of Ramiumptum Ruminations. My name is Scott and I'm the host. Today's episode is called Revelation Through Surveys. Thanks for coming back to listen to another episode. Today we'll be breaking down some of my thoughts from the interview that I had with Brian Harris in July of 2022. It was a three-part series. If you have not listened to those, I do recommend going back and listening to them. They are some of the better episodes that I've put out. It is episodes 56 through 58. 56, we covered Brian's um, time working for the church and his his religious deconstruction and then episodes 57 and 58 we covered the projects that he worked for while working at church headquarters he worked specifically in the correlation department and went around surveying members of the church and non-members of the church for a variety of reasons um, and then presenting this these survey results to the leaders of the church while going through these conversations we danced around a couple of ideas and we didn't, we weren't explicit on a lot of the things that we were talking about. And so I want to bring uh, forward some of the questions that were on my mind as we were having that conversation. The aspect of the LDS faith that this rubbed up against uncomfortably was the idea of revelation. And what I want to explore in this episode is whether or not there is still a space for revelation in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints when they use surveys extensively. So before I kick this off, I will do that shameless self-plug that I do occasionally. If this is content that you like, if you appreciate what I am doing and you find value from it, Please like it at whatever streaming source, uh, streaming service that you're using. Subscribe to it, write a review, share it to a friend. And if you're financially able, please consider becoming a monthly recurring donor to the podcast. Every little bit helps. All right, that was quick. I had it down to, I, th I think I got it down to like 30 seconds. So let's move on to the content. <laughs> the idea of revelation is central to Mormonism in all of its different brands or versions, offshoots, whatever you want to call it. The concept of speaking directly to God and receiving a direct answer to your questions and concerns is central to the theology. According to the believers, this whole religion came about because Joseph Smith had a question. In the True to the Faith manual, Revelation is broadly defined as communication from God to his children. It comes through various channels according to the needs and circumstances of individuals, families, and the church as a whole. The point that I'm trying to make, and so I'll, I'll talk both ideas that might be for and against kind of as we're going through this. 
the conclusion that some listeners might come to is that because the church uses surveys, there is no space for revelation and the church does not receive direct inspiration from God. And then a believer who might listen to that might look at this and say, the church still does receive revelation. They implement these surveys as a way to help guide the institutional side of the church. That could be something that, that an apologist or a believer might might say about this. An argument, I guess, could be made that one of these channels that the church uses to receive inspiration could be through these surveys. I don't think that that particular argument would hold up as well. If someone wanted to say that the church is using surveys, the church leaders, the prophet apostles are using surveys to receive inspiration from God, it doesn't match up with the stories that were told both in the Old and the New Testament, and even in throughout our church, throughout the history of the church, with the way that God communicates with the prophets, it doesn't it doesn't line up nicely. I'm going to jump back to this true to the faith, and this is just the first couple of paragraphs. I, I'm not going to go through the personal revelation. I I don't think that this that the implementation of surveys has any implications on personal revelation as much as it does on revelation for the uh, entire organization of the church. So it says, when the Lord reveals his will to the church, he speaks through his prophet. The scriptures contain many such revelations, the word of the Lord through ancient and latter-day prophets. Today, the Lord continues to guide the church by revealing his will to his chosen servants. I could come out with a snarky comment and say, you know, something along the lines of, you know, the, the Lord is revealing his will based on what the members are telling the leaders that they should do through these surveys. I try and make allowances for believers wherever I can. And so here's here's what I'm going to say about this interplay. And we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper once I make this distinction. As I deconstructed religion, learned more about the history of the church, learned more about the history of the world and the um, connections between the ancient world and ancient scripture, I felt as though God were shrinking. The impression that I had was that the more I learned, the less space there was for God in the world around me. Let me rephrase that. The less space there was for the traditional interpretation of God in the world around me. And this subject and these conversations that I had with Brian, I felt that same sort of a feeling where putting back on my believer, my TBM hat and looking at these conversations through the lens of, of what I recall that I used to think when I was a believer. If I came into that believing that every single change in direction of the church, new program implementation, if I believed prior to that, that interview, that everything was directly guided by the hand of God, I would have come out of that interview looking at God as much smaller or his influence on the church as much smaller. From my understanding, the sort of things that were implemented by in the church headquarters that used these surveys extensively were changes in in things such as opening new missions, changes to the young men and young, young women's programs, changes to the meeting block changes to the manuals none of the 
concepts that we discussed. And again, I'm not privy to everything that goes on over there. So, so I could be mistaken on some of these things. I don't know that the amount of time someone meets for church is a doctrinal thing. I, I don't know that I would classify the programs that the young, young men and young women go through a duty to God and, and such. I don't know that those would be classified as doctrine. So many of these things that were, that were covered would probably fall better under policies. But Brian and I had this discussion, and this, this came up in our chat, that there's no clear way to delineate between a policy and a doctrine. So I asked the question at the outset, does this mean that revelation cannot exist in the church or or is there still space for some sort of revelation to the prophet to lead the church knowing that many of the changes and programs and directives that come out are implemented based on survey results so i answered this already a little bit as i was talking about the way i interpreted it but i feel like a believer coming to the table to this is getting pushed into a corner a little bit where the role of prophet is smaller. When Russell M. Nelson took over and became the prophet of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it seemed that there was, in quick succession, every single general conference and even outside of general conference, there were new programs being implemented, changes to the meeting time, changes to the manuals and the handbooks, but none of those are doctrines. Those are all policies. And the, the conclusion that I'm making here, a listener out there is welcome to disagree with me or have a different interpretation of this. But the conclusion that I draw from this is that a believer would look at a doctrine as an eternal truth and a policy as something man-made. Because the way the church tries to spin past teachings that are harmful is they call them policies. They call them opinions from the time. It is not a very difficult logical leap to make the connection that all policy in the church comes from man. When the prophet was lauded for coming out with all of these revelations and these changes and it was fresh and new and that was the testament to his, his revelatory power as the prophet. None of those things were doctrinal. They were all policies and, and not eternal truths. They wouldn't have come from God. They would have come from surveys. They would have come from him. Because if it's something that you can change without changing the core teachings of the church, then it doesn't come from God, does it? I think a counter argument to this that someone could say would be something along the lines of maybe changing the, the church block from three hours to two hours. You know, although it's mundane, maybe it's right for our time or right for the members now, but it wasn't right for the members in the past. In order to be internally consistent with your logic, you would have to apply that same idea to the temple ban and the priesthood ban or even to so many other things. And it gets uncomfortable. So I, I don't know that a, I don't know that an argument or any sort of um, trying to an apologist trying to reason out of it that way. I don't think it would be internally consistent with the way that they try and reason out of other things. 
I don't think that it would be consistent with the way that they try to defend the church on other fronts. If we're going to say that something that a previous prophet implemented and was right for the church at the time is a policy, then any change now, today, the duty to God programs or, or whatever it is, if it's something that is mundane and does not alter the doctrine, then I think it would be safe to say that it doesn't come from God, but comes from the institution. So what are we left with? What role do the prophets play today? What purpose do they fill in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? As prophets, seers, and revelators. And we're focusing today on the revelator aspect of it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from Doctrine and Covenants 107, 91, and 92. And this talks about the role of the prophet in the church. And again, the duty of the president of the office of the high priesthood is to preside over the whole church and to be like unto Moses. Behold, here is wisdom, yea, to be a seer, a revelator, a translator, and a prophet, having all the gifts of God, which he bestows upon the head of the church. So according to the Doctrine and Covenants, the role of the prophet is to be a seer, revelator, translator. So the question I'm going to ask is this. When was the last time there was a revelation in the church? When was the last time there was a new book of scripture? When was the last time that a prophet had an answer to a hard question? I typically try not to be quite so direct in, in my line of questioning. At some point in time, it seems that there was a shift in the role of the prophet within the church where at one point he was like uh, the prophet Joseph Smith or even Brigham Young in some aspects and, and, and perhaps in some of the other early prophets, where they would reveal new truths, new doctrines, the Adam-God teaching, blood atonement, you know, revelations about the structure of heaven. All of these things would be classified as revelations, is new teachings from God for his people. It's that further light and knowledge. That isn't to say that that would be the only role of the prophet. I wouldn't make the claim that every single prophet has to have some sort of grandiose revelation. But the role of communicating God's will to his people with no clear way to delineate between doctrine or policy in the church. And there isn't. The church appears to be hesitant, hesitant to make any sort of formal criteria for determining what is policy and what is doctrine. In the recent past, they have felt the repercussions of previous teachings coming back and haunting future generations. The current stance of the church on the LGBTQ plus community, this is one of those things, and Brian and I discussed this a little bit, where there was um, an attitude over at church headquarters of pride, of them feeling proud that they're different from the rest of the world on their stance on this community. That was hard to hear. That was hard to listen to. This subject of, of the LGBTQ plus community, there are far reaching implications if they were to make changes on other doctrines um, at least with the reasoning that the church has used for teachings such as 
plural marriage, eternal families and such. If they alter the way that they look at the family unit, they would have to go and, and reframe much of the doctrine around family. That would require real revelation. But I guess the, the uncomfortable aspect is that that would mean that previous prophets teaching these things, teaching their homophobic and, and uh, doctrines, that would mean that they were just policies. The problem with all this, and it's, it's ironic to me, and maybe I need to do a couple more episodes on this subject, but the problem that the church runs into with this is univocality. They impose on themselves univocality by saying everything we do is revealed or inspired by God. And since God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that means that what they say today should be in harmony with what prophets have said from the beginning of time. There's no religious institution that has univocality, period. It, it just does not exist in any religious structure. If the church could somehow free itself from that concept, somehow free itself from this teaching that every prophet needs to be in exact compliance with the previous prophets, they would be free to make these healthy changes and receive revelation. So I guess in a really long roundabout way <laughs> of answering my, the question I asked maybe 10 minutes ago, is there space for, for revelation? I think there still is for a believer. I think, I think if someone's going to come to the table after hearing all of this stuff and say, yes, I still believe, but my faith is altered by X, Y, and Z, I think there still is a space for a believer to come to the table and say that revelation exists. But I think that it is ever shrinking. And I think the ideas around univocality and revelation need to be shifted in the discourse in order to match with reality. And that's it. That's all I got for this one. <laughs> I've said in previous episodes, and you probably hear me say it again, I'm not a believer, and so I'm, I'm coming to a lot of these discussions trying to think from a, a believer's lens. I do have some listeners that are believers that'll talk to me about this stuff afterwards, and sometimes I get, I get right what they think, and sometimes I get it wrong. But that's okay. This concept doesn't have to mean that the church is false or not true. It just means that it's not what it presents itself to be, or that reality doesn't line up perfectly with the teachings. And then a listener would have to make decisions about their faith based on this new law knowledge. Whether they can alter their faith and maintain it is up to them, or whether they put it aside and search for, I don't want to say bigger and better, I just want to say things that fit them better. As I said at the outset, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate the dialogue that I have with you guys, both on the various streaming platforms and also behind the scenes and Facebook messages and such. This community is awesome. If this is content that you enjoy, I would greatly appreciate you liking it, subscribing to it, leaving a comment or a review. I prefer five-star reviews. Um, anything less than that, you might hurt my feelings. 
<laughs> I know I've said that joke before and I've laughed at it before. I'll probably say it again and I'll probably laugh at it again. If you are financially able, I would greatly appreciate you making a one-time donation or a recurring donation to the podcast. Go to ramiumptumruminations.org and there's a donation box on the side. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope that this helped you come to this concept of revelation with a slightly different lens. Wherever you find yourself today, gardening in the backyard, jumping on the trampoline with your kids, I hope that you have an excellent day.